0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive,
1: center field,
0: hit the wall, grand slam. This
1: is magnificent.
0: Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where
2: fantasy becomes
0: reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
2: Welcome everybody. Happy Friday. Fantasy Baseball Today. It is May 8th. Frank here, joined by Chris, Adam, and Scott. Chris, we missed you yesterday. We were talking about jock jams to start the show. And now, just before we started recording this podcast, I found out a very, very disturbing opinion from Adam, Please. who doesn't like Toxic, by Britney Spears. Yeah.
3: Adam, so Awful. Adam is, uh, <laughs> Oh boy. the thing you have to understand about Adam is he's a little wimpy guy. Uh who makes up for it by by crafting these uh you know, traditionally masculine opinions and so he can't like Britney Spears' classic two thousand four single Toxic. Uh and really, Adam, just embrace it, man. It's a great song. And an even
1: better th- music video. I that I really like Katy Perry. You probably don't know that about uh, me. Like, of not all like, pop I singers, like her I like the song Firework. I think it's just Amazing song.
3: I mean, "Roar." "Roar" is a is like, a banger. Whatever, Chris.
1: But I don't mind liking some girly music or whatever, or just music by girls. If that's girly, you know, I don't think it is. But I don't mind like the teenage pop songs. But they're Britney Spears does not have one good song.
3: They're all that's bad.
1: "Toxic" a, is one of the worst. Oh, and God. "Circus" such, "Circus" is the worst song. That, that ever. is ever. This
3: is such a bad Adam Acer take. And like, I. I can't I don't even know how to respond to it because it it can't be real. You can't be a real person. I'm gonna have to
2: make Heath Cummings aware of this opinion. I'm not sure if he knows this I, about you, Adam. I wonder if he would, uh, I think agree, Heath would that agree that it's a bad
3: opinion. Yeah, I think Heath would agree with that one.
2: No, I think what, what's even the opinion, Heath could that Britney Spears even, doesn't
1: have a good song. Is that the hot take that you're yeah. trying to expose?
2: Yeah. It's true though. I don't I've never worked with Heath, but I would have to assume I'll... that even he thinks toxic is a banger, as Chris yeah, would say. No Scotty chance. Dubs is here. Scott White. Scott, do you have any controversial music opinions when it comes to female artists? Um, I
0: don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh,
2: I,
3: we did I, learn I have... that, that Scott had never heard You Oughta Know until very recently.
0: It's true. It's true. I had heard people sing lines from the song before because, I mean, some of those lines are
3: iconic, so I'd heard that,
0: but I, I'd never actually taken the time to listen to the song. I mean, it wasn't a song... I, I don't know. It wasn't one of those songs that you hear played on like commercials and in stores or everything, because you know, there's some cursing in it. So I hadn't really, I had, it hadn't just like hurt what it by, it, by like, walking what around songs? in life. So I actually had to make a point to listen to it. I did five years ago. I think it might be the best song ever.
3: <laughs> Question. Is it cross-eyed bear or is it cross-eyed bear that you gave to me?
1: Oh, it's the cross-eyed bear, the bear that had to have, surgery on his eyes yeah
0: (laughs) like a stuffed bear whose pupils were positioned so that they were facing each other yeah
2: across that that's very good i like that chris
1: banger of a joke there
2: (laughs) banger of a joke all right let's get this back on track Uh, there's a lot i want to get to today here on the show i want to talk about some of the other players who were who are benefiting from the delay in the mlb season guys that i feel like are not being talked about enough And then we'll have some rankings debates a little bit later on. uh, And an email I want to read regarding uh, this whole nickname that we're trying to figure out for me. Yesterday at the end of the show, we kind of figured out that I was going to be the Tramp Stamp. But, you know, I, I went through that tweet thread that you had, Adam. And I found some other really, really awesome ones that I liked. We got a few emails too. So I'll read some of those. But let's start with this. On this day... Two years ago, James Paxton threw a no-hitter against the Toronto Blue Jays. Paxton is one of the more obvious players who benefit from the season being delayed. Uh, Yesterday, we read an email regarding Michael Fulmer, who was not in my mind. I don't know how many minds he was in uh, for this upcoming season, but it got me thinking about some of these other players that we really haven't talked about enough who are going to benefit, and I wanted to start with one that, Chris, I know you like a lot, and that's Luis Urias of the Milwaukee Brewers. ADP at 379. former top prospect for the San Diego Padres, was traded for Trent Grisham in late November. He's still just 22 years old, kind of off to a rocky start in his major league career. It's only 83 games. It's a small sample size. But Urias is someone who broke his hamate bone late in January, wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season, but now he likely is going to be ready, obviously. Uh, So Chris, remind some of the people why you like Urias and... I mean, frankly, like, why is nobody talking about him? I feel like we should be talking about him.
3: It's kind of, um, it's a little bit of like the Rugnet Odor pre-breakout situation where he got up to the majors and looked so bad that people had pretty much written him off. Um, but there is still, I think, a a very promising fantasy skill set here. You know, he had a 998 OPS last season. Yes, it was in AAA with the juiced ball, uh, but... He's got an 830 OPS, a 308 average for his career. He very rarely strikes out. 306 strikeouts and 2,400 plate appearances in the minors. That's about, what, a 13% strikeout rate? That's very good. Um, He struck out quite a bit in the majors, though, and that's the problem is everything that made him good in the minors just hasn't followed him to the majors. You know, He started hitting uh, for a little bit more power, once he got to the high minors, even before last season, you know he, he's he been hitting for a little bit better power uh, since getting to AAA. And so the question is, if he has a plus hit tool, which the minor league track record does suggest that he does, uh, will that help the power play up? I believe it will. Playing in Miller Park, playing with uh, the Major League Baseball, it's something that we've seen a lot with guys who put the bat on the ball. It's just a question of, uh, actually putting the bat on the ball more once he gets to the majors. And and I believe, you know, he's only 23 years old. Um, so I, I st- he's not even 23, actually. He doesn't turn 23 for another month. I still think there is a lot of potential there uh, with Louis, Luis Urias. I always get confused.
2: Yeah, it's tough with, with the is the Luis, the Julio. Uh... And the Luis Arias. Uh, yes, and we have rise yeah. too, of the Minnesota Twins, so it's, it gets a little bit tough with some of these names. But Chris, are you confident he's going to play every day in Milwaukee? Because that is maybe the one drawback, because they still do have Orlando Arcia on the roster.
3: So pretty much everything I saw in the offseason did suggest that the starting shortstop job was going to be Arias's uh, uh, before the injury, and then you know Arcia obviously got off to a very good start in spring training, and there was talk about him reworking his swing. So I do have some concerns, but you know, I, if if the plan was for Urias to start every day, I can't imagine twelve good games from Orlando Arcia against like fringe AAA competition was enough to change that plan. Uh, we'll see when when spring training
2: starts up. Again, that is Luis Arias of the Milwaukee Brewers hit 315 with 19 home runs and seven steals in the minors last year with a 998 OPS. Has struggled some in the majors, uh, but 9.3% walk rate in the majors is something that I do like to see out of a young player. Again, uh, he's still just 22 years old. Scott, I wanted to give you Andrew McCutcheon. You get the fun one of the bunch. Andrew McCutcheon. He's 33 years old. He's coming off a torn ACL. However, last season, I don't know how many people realize this, Career-high 16% walk rate for McCutcheon last year. 378 OBP was his highest since 2014. And he was also on pace for 27 home runs and 123 runs scored. His ADP is 232. He's the 64th outfielder off the board. He averaged 3.26 fantasy points per game last season. That would have been tied with Tommy Pham, Whit Merrifield, and Michael Conforto. Pham has an ADP of 80. Whitmerry Field, ADP of 47. Michael Conforto at 120. You're getting Andrew McCutcheon at nearly double where you're getting Michael Conforto. Why no love for Andrew McCutcheon?
0: Uh, Andrew McCutcheon has settled into being a pretty boring player at this stage of his career. The On base, yeah, he does a great job getting on base, but he's, he's kind of boring otherwise. His power has... Uh, you know, receded to the point that particularly in today's environment, it's it's not a great asset for him. He doesn't run anymore. Uh he should play a lot and bat at the top of the Phillies lineup, so should be of help and run scored. And of course any league that rewards on base ability directly, he could uh he could be a, a value pick there, but he's he's pretty boring. I don't know that he's the exciting one here, like you said. Andrew McCutcheon, yeah basic. That's what I think of him right now.
1: <laughs> he was just the number fourteen like... outfielder in points leagues
0: at the time of his injury.
1: But he was number thirty four in roto. So he's a big points versus roto guy, not not just because he's better in OBP than batting average, but you know, I think he was batting he was batting leadoff. He batted leadoff in all fifty nine games, so that's a lot of played appearances, that's a lot of runs. Played fifty nine games and scored forty five runs. Uh, so I think <clears throat> if McCutcheon were to bat leadoff I'd be interested in him as like my last pick in a three outfielder
0: league. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, points league is one of those that does reward the on-base ability directly. So it's, he has the chance to be, well, I mean, he's not going to be as good as Carlos Santana in that format, but uh, it's it's probably right. similar to Shinsu Chu. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, yeah. we regard Andrew McCutcheon. He's old and you don't expect him to get better at this stage of his career. He's more likely to get worse, but... He still does some useful things that maybe get overlooked because he's basic.
2: Yeah, again, look, I mean, averaging 3.2 fantasy points per game and being tied with the likes of Merrifield and Tommy Pham last year, uh, I mean, that's pretty high praise for someone who has an ADP of 232. He's 33 years old. He's coming off a torn ACL, but the home runs and and the run scored pace was pretty nice to see out of Andrew McCutcheon. So, uh, again, just name to remember. Later on, late-round flyer in your head-to-head head points leagues. Adam, pocket aces. You get the joy of talking about two players with the same last name, Aaron Hicks and Jordan Hicks. Aaron Hicks had Tommy John surgery in October, eight-to-ten-month recovery, uh, which puts him at about anywhere from June through August. So if you know baseball does start back up sometime in July, we could see Aaron Hicks back. Um, not sure if he'll ever be able to stay healthy, but 12 home runs. 41 runs scored in 59 games last year. That's a 150-game pace of 30 homers, 104 runs. Um, And in 2018, he played 137 games. He averaged 3.3 fantasy points per game. That would have been good for... That was tied for outfielder 12 in 2018. His ADP is 463. And then Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks is is another one who was expected to return around the All-Star break this season. He's 23 years old. He was enjoying a breakout year last year. Low three ERA 0.94 whip, 14 saves. Um, I know that we, you know, you guys generally like Giovanni Gallegos, but I think if Jordan Hicks is healthy, he's probably going to figure back into that closer role. So Jordan Hicks and Aaron Hicks, what do you think, Adam? Both of them, I guess,
1: have a lot of competition. Uh, the Yankees' outfield is obviously very crowded. But Hicks, I think they really like him. When they signed him to something like a seven-year, $70 million deal, He's thirty. He's not young, but he's really streaky. So I think if you look at Aaron Hicks playing, uh, what did he play, fifty nine games last year, he didn't really hit well. He hit batted just two thirty five. He did hit for good power, as you mentioned, but you know he he could have just been missing that hot streak. He's just he's annoying like that. In fact, it seemed like he was on a hot streak as I look at his fantasy points by week. 8, 16, 6, 28, 8, 6. Those were his first six weeks. Then 27, 22, 4, 22, 20. Those were his last five weeks. Four of his last five weeks were good for Aaron Hicks. He's similar to Andrew McCutcheon. I thought, going into last year, one of my bold predictions, I don't know if it was official, but one of my bold predictions that Aaron Hicks was going to be a top 10 outfielder in points leagues. I thought he was going to lead off for the Yankees. He gets on base. He has a really, really high walk rate. I think he was fifth in walk rate in 2018. Um, I thought he was going to score a ton of runs. I mean, I thought the guy could have scored 115 runs or something like that. Batting leadoff for the Yankees. And he has some power. He's just, he's annoyingly streaky. And I thought he was going to play every day because he's a really good center fielder. Uh, All those possibilities still exist for Aaron Hicks, except I don't think he's going to be the leadoff hitter. I think he's going to bat more like seventh or eighth when he's healthy. But he's not a bad player. I think he's better in points leagues. He'll give you some good on-base percentage. Very good, but not a good batting average. And the steals, you know, I'd pencil him in for, like, out of 162 games, 12-ish steals, something like that. He'll give you something. Uh, He's a a solid all-around player that could honestly be close to great in points leagues and usable,
0: you know, solid in Roto leagues. I'm kind of an Aaron Hicks skeptic. He he makes some pretty weak contact, and the year that he was – of the most value in fantasy 2018 he hit 27 home runs despite having 18 doubles he had 248 Uh, it it i'm not sure he can meet that home run level with consistency and i'm not sure there's enough there otherwise And, and in fact i'm not rooting for this to happen for aaron hicks to be ready near the start of the season. I, I think it's a long shot for both him and Jordan Hicks because they're both coming back from Tommy John surgery and because their Tommy John surgery was, uh, y- you know, it, it happened. We're pretty deep into last year when they had their Tommy John surgeries. I think Hicks was, uh, was October? Or, well, no, wait.
2: Aaron, uh, Hicks was, Aaron Hicks was in October. Jordan Hicks was mid-season. Yeah, at, so anyways, it was like around
0: July. Yeah, um, and the thing is, I like the alternatives... Better, not so much Brett Gardner. Right, I like you don't like better. Brett
1: Gardner better. You don't but like Mike Talkman better.
0: I don't think Brett Gardner would be the one who's to suffer most from an Aaron Hicks return. I think Brett Gardner is kind of a fixture, and the Yankees will always mm. find a spot for him. I'd, I'd be more kn- worried about know. Miguel Andujar or Mike Talkman. Those guys losing
3: playing. You'd time rather
1: Talkman be in there than Hicks. I just yeah, no, I mean, the, no, the main, no I feel, I think like like Hicks is much better
3: than Tom.: We're going too far on the like buying into these Yankees small sample guys from last year. Like Aaron Hicks was the Yankees small sample guy before last year, you know? like there are I, it's just like, I feel like we' we're, we're kind of ignoring the cautionary signs that that exist when like Aaron Hicks was the the breakout in 2018 comes back in 2019 he and I was skeptical decent. of
0: him then. I was I'm I'm saying I've long been an Aaron Hicks skeptic. I'm not saying like, He walks Talk, so much uh, What Mike Talkman did last year changed my mind about Aaron Hicks. I mean, Mike Talkman walks a lot too.
1: Yeah, my, uh, Mike Talkman is is not Aaron Hicks. I I mean, Aaron Hicks is much better than Mike okay. Talkman. I, well, well, I just,
3: Mike Talkman is benefiting from you not really like having known much about him before last year so you couldn't have been a long time mike Talkman skeptic you know
0: (laughs) i guess so well yeah but i mean he put up interesting numbers in the rocky system i mean he was not he was somebody people were rooting for to get playing time for a long time before the yankees finally gave it to him uh so
1: yeah you still have stanton judge gardner Talkman, and duhar like all these guys plus eric frazier with yes clint frazier with the Look, DH in there as well, it's a lot of names
0: you're not going to make me like Aaron Hicks, all right you're not going to do it. And I think Jordan is
1: to toward the hop, top of the order for me to really like Aaron Hicks. And Jordan Hicks,
0: I don't think, is as good as Giovanni Gallegos and he would just kind of mess things up there. Not that Gallegos has assured the role, but I would rather him get it than Hicks, and I would certainly rather him get it than it becomes some kind of split situation here. Oh, so
1: talk about small samples. These. Like, look, how can anybody have any faith in Giovanni Gallegos knowing what we know about closers and just looking at? Well,
0: how what... can anybody have any faith in Jordan Hicks? Because he throws a hundred miles per hour. Year. I know, but he wasn't nearly as good as Giovanni He Gallegos. was pretty it's good. Like you're you're uh, he using was pretty the good argument for Hick- like you're.
2: He was good last this year, Jordan Hicks. This is no.
0: nonsense. This is nonsense you're spouting here. He, had, he, like, he was good
2: last year. I am like He's already had w- success in the role.
0: I'm right. like a land developer breaking ground in rural Georgia. Get these hicks out of here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what? Get them out of here. <laughs> that was excellent,
3: Scott. I did not <laughs> expect Scott to be the one to make that joke.
1: He's from Georgia. He's allowed to make it. That
3: was- yes, I was, war- yeah, yes, I was worried right. someone would make the joke. I just didn't think it would be Scott. It was, it was very good. It, it was all building up. To that. All
2: right. That, that's a great way to just put a bow on the, on the Jordan Hicks conversation. I did have one news item I wanted to mention. Jameson Tyone, remember that name, blast from the past, throwing four times per week, recovering from his second Tommy John surgery. Uh, Tyone indicated Thursday via his personal Twitter account that he's resumed throwing off flat ground four times per week. Just remember the name late in your keeper dynasty leagues. He's 28 years old. Uh, again, it's second Tommy John, so there's no guarantees he's going to you know return to the player he was before. But he did break out in 2018, had 3.20 ERA, 1.18 WHIP, and 191 innings pitched. Uh, started using that new slider that season as well. So I'm rooting for Jamison Tyone. He's someone who I kept in a league last year. But remember the name if you are doing some startup dynasty drafts or keeper leagues where you can keep that player for the round value and yada yada. Just remember the name, Jamison Tyone. An email I wanted to read. This came in earlier today from David Cray. I have heard Frank apologize a couple of times for the way that he pronounces certain words such as didn't and "innings." Actually, I think didn't was about Scott. Yeah. Yeah, I was made fun of for Charlie Morton and Giancarlo Stanton. You'll find this
0: out, Frank. Nobody can tell us apart for some reason. They always (laughs) think I'm Chris. They think Chris is me. I think it's because they're listening to us on 1.5 times speed or something. So we all just sound like chipmunks. Well, <laughs> yeah, because
3: Scott clearly is the most distinctive person on the podcast in terms of like his speaking style and his cadence. So I'm always shocked when people can't at least identify Scott. He's on the episodes at the most. He's got a very distinctive, you know, that, that, that slower, more deliberate talking style. Whereas Adam, yeah. Frank and I, we're, we're New Yorkers. While, get people. the hell out of here chris <laughs> well no but in ter- in terms I, of the the, <laughs> the way people from south florida speak it's more similar to the way people from new york speak and that it's very fast-paced uh, uh people yeah, from yeah, people yeah. from new york people from south florida there's so many new york transplants in south florida we get dis we get uncomfortable with pauses and silence and scott just like luxuriates in them <laughs> you know it's like a warm bath <laughs> yeah um
0: yeah, I, I don't like I listen to podcasts and I don't have trouble telling the people I'm hearing apart. So I, I honestly don't understand this phenomenon, but it, you'll find it happens a lot, Frank.
2: I want to get back to the email. Uh, it says my wife is a former linguistics professor who would regard these renderings not as mistakes, but as regional variations. He speaks this way because that is how the people around him spoke when he was a child. There is no single correct way to pronounce these words, so leave Frank alone. He is carrying on the proud tradition of wherever he comes from. That's right, Ridgewood, Queens, New York. Wow. I, he also adds, I spent four or five months a year in Australia where nicknames are an obsession. Usually they are sly references to one's name, but not too obvious. A friend's baseball team acquired a player named Royd. He was instantly dubbed Hemmer and was known by that name by all of his teammates, so Frank should become postal that's what my nickname should be postal not just because of stamp but also because to frank a letter means to put a mark on it so that it can be sent for free hmm. that comes from david aka big red you're my boy red i like that i, so I agree we're calling we frank shouldn't,
3: yeah we shouldn't uh criticize people for the way they they say specific <laughs> words um you know, uh, maybe I actually we don't care but I like the maybe email, so. maybe we shouldn't pull uh, you know sound bites and make them drops just just to make that person feel bad You don't have a lot of pool at this discussion just uh, so you know yeah And uh, you Deadpool know no uh, you know I I you know <laughs> I, I actually like the the whole idea of like proper English and like making fun of people's grammars or the way they speak it's it's very elitist you know It's there's no one right way or wrong way to speak. There are, there are literally millions of variations of the English language. We should embrace them all. They're all beautiful in their Pro- own way.
0: Pronunciation is just a construct, man.
2: It is. Here were a few other nicknames that stood out to me that I found yesterday. Frankie Two Toes. Uh, look, I'm partial to anything where it's like Frankie and then there's a word after it. Frankie Two something. Or this one, which was tweeted to, I believe it was Scott and myself, Frankie No Vowels it's pretty good yeah frankie no vowels i like that one hooba frank no I like it yeah that's good no. <laughs> is there a reason you don't like that one adam it's because it's not gonna be his nickname
3: like it's you clever it. but it's, it's not okay. we're not gonna call adam, him hooba i was frank. Just, i was making a joke you missed.
2: do you want to call me that's uh okay. no i don't <laughs> that's
3: pretty good that's, that's uh and good
2: one ballpark frank oh it's pretty obvious that's a good one too
0: I still think the best nicknames are ones you prefer to say when you're addressing the person over their actual name. So I think I think Frankie No Vowels works in that that regard. Uh, it it kind of reminds me of like Joey Bats or Jimmy Grapp's. Like it, it it feels like it's in the same.
3: Does anybody call vein, Jimmy Garoppolo Jimmy Grapp's?
0: I think so. Definitely not. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen like Mina Times or somebody like that do it. I. I made it up a couple. I feel like I made it up a couple years ago, though. Then other people made it up independently of me because you know wow. I, don't th- I don't have that much clout that I can actually get a nickname to take off. But that yep. should absolutely I, be. You knew who I was talking about, didn't you? I Ooh, guess, yeah. but it,
1: um, nobody calls him Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you call him that, I would have known who you were talking about too. According to Pro Football <laughs> Reference, his nicknames are Jimmy GQ, Prince Aladdin, or Great Garoppolo. It should
0: absolutely be Jimmy I mean, Graps.
1: What is
3: Great Garoppolo? <laughs> I don't know. Jimmy I don't know. GQ. I have heard before. Frankie, I don't,
1: like uh, Frankie Stamps. Frankie Stamps isn't bad. Frankie Podcast isn't bad. How about Bob Frank, Frank Frank the fantasy great.
2: baseball, the CBS fantasy baseball podcast host.
3: I like that
1: one.
2: That's very catchy. Dog. I just I
1: think I'm, going postal is a new Frank segment where Frank just flips out about something. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it might be about Toxic if you keep this up, Adam. All right, we've got to take a break. We, we've got rankings debates coming on specific groups of players coming up right after this. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back with some rankings debates. I want to start at the third base position, Josh Donaldson versus Matt Chapman versus a. Eugenio Suarez. And, you no, know, Adam, you kind of brought this to my attention that I should just kind of let a timer go, you know, and everyone just, it's a free-for-all we talk about these three players and we ultimately come to a conclusion over who's our, be- our our favorite player uh going in this range. Scott, we've talked about this cluster of third basemen. There's a lot of people in this group. Uh Josh Donaldson, ADP of 92, Matt Chapman, ADP of 91, Eugenio Suarez, a little bit higher, but I think that he's a similar player in terms of what he brings to the table. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a timer for let's go with 8 minutes. 8, eight minutes. minutes. Is eight too- minutes per debate? Per that player? So That's a whole show. <laughs> no, eight minutes for all of them, for all three players. It's no,
1: but of-
3: but you've got four, four groupings here.
1: That's 32 <laughs> minutes. All
2: right,
3: all right you want to go five
1: I minutes? I think, Frank, I think five. eight minutes
3: is too long to just talk about Scott Kingery. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think five minutes. Because you know what? You're going to force us out of our comfort
2: zone. You're going to make us make quick points. All right, here we go. Five minutes on the clock. Josh Donaldson versus Matt Chapman versus Eugenio Suarez. Scott, go. Well, only
0: one of these guys hit 49 home runs last year, so that, I think, immediately puts Suarez out front. And, you know, what he did in 2018 was pretty similar to what we saw Donaldson and Chapman do last year. Uh, The thing that might move Suarez behind either or both is just concern after he had that uh, sudden shoulder surgery in january an accident in the pool supposedly but since he's obviously going to be ready to play again by the time the season starts i'm i'm comfortable moving him back to the front of that group i actually have donaldson last because i think 34 years old missed most of 2017 and 20 or much of 2017 and 2018 with injuries uh I think we're being a little too sanguine based on that history, that 2019 is the new normal for him again. He's old, he's injury-prone, and I think the most could go wrong for him.
2: Chris, aren't we kind of hoping that Matt Chapman just kind of becomes Josh Donaldson? Donaldson last year, 259 batting average, 37 home runs, 190 RBI-plus runs scored, and now joins a Twins lineup that was ranked first in home runs, second in runs scored, First in ISO, second in OPS, and second in WOBA. Don't we just want Chapman to be who Josh Donaldson already is?
3: Uh, you know, it's tough to, to say what Matt Chapman is yet. I think to a certain extent, he already is what Josh Donaldson was when he was with the A's. And we saw how much the, the Coliseum held him back. And when he got to Toronto, he just blew up as an elite fantasy. Obviously, I think the numbers are very similar. For the two of them. Then. Um, and then the question for Chapman, ultimately, I think, was what happened between the All-Star break in 2018 and the All-Star break in 2019 uh, a glimpse of what his upside could be? Because he was, for that stretch, I mean, really one of the two or three best players in baseball. Uh, you know, not necessarily for fantasy, but first half of 2019 he hit two sixty eight with 21 home runs and 900. Uh, OPS. Second half of 2018, 14 home runs, 309 average, 961 OPS. Last season, his BABIP was really, really low, uh, pretty much across the board. So I love Matt Chapman. I think his park holds him back is the biggest thing. And uh, yeah, I I would probably put him third on this list in what the most likely outcome is. Uh, But I think I would take him over Donaldson just because of the age and injury related concerns, like Scott said.
2: For what it's worth, Matt Chapman, StatCast loves this guy. 96th percentile in average exit velocity, 94th percentile in hard hit rate, and 85th percentile in barrel rate. That is uh, Matt Chapman, who averaged 3.2 fantasy points per game last season, which was tied for 14th at the third base position. Uh, Adam Eugenio Suarez, he did hit 271 last year and had a 572 slug. However, his expected batting average was 248, and his expected slugging percentage was 503. I think we all kind of expect the home runs to regress a little bit. How do you break down these three guys between Suarez, Chapman, and Josh Donaldson?
1: Well, Suarez is not great in, in points leagues. He strikes out so much. His points per game among third basemen last two seasons have been eighth and 14th. So I don't think he's someone that you really target in points leagues, but I do think in Roto, uh, you know, you go after him a little bit more heavily. I'm still going to take Suarez number one in this group because I'm worried about Donaldson's age, obviously. He's 34. He's hurt a lot. And I'm worried about the way Chapman finished the season. 734 OPS batted 193 in his last 57 games. August was good, but September was horrible. And it seems like pitchers may have figured him out. And he said, according to MLB.com, Chapman said he's working on his mechanics so he can uh, be better against high fastballs and off-speed pitches and that just scares me a little bit. I don't want a guy having to make big mechanical adjustments going into a season if they kind of figured him out a little bit toward the end of last year. I don't know if that happened, but it's a bit of a red flag. I'm going to take Donaldson ahead of Chapman even with the injury concerns. You know, Donaldson what what concerns me there is he's been a slow starter three straight years. And I can deal with that in a long season, but in a shortened season, you know, he might not have time to really catch up. I don't know if that's going to hold up but or if it's just a fluke, but it's something to keep in mind. Suarez to me, it seems like he has the Least downside, because he doesn't hit a lot of doubles, but he hit forty nine homers. So if eight of those homers became doubles, then all of a sudden he's a thirty double guy with still forty home runs. Uh so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Suarez, Donaldson, Chapman. Wow,
2: wanna... that was five minutes on the dot. Oh really? okay. nice. You finished right there as we hit Suarez, five minutes. But if we're done, that's fine. We can move on. No, you can make you can make some final points. No. No. <laughs> no,
3: no You stick to the rules. <laughs>
2: uh I will just <laughs> I will just say who I like the most out of the group, and, and that is Josh Donaldson. I have him ranked the highest. Uh, yes, he's a little bit older, but I really like the lineup that he joins, and the stack numbers for him last year were also uh, ridiculous.
0: So you're, you're kind of making the upside argument for Donaldson while the rest of us, is, or at least Chris and I, are making the downside argument.
2: Yeah, that sounds accurate. Next one. Here's what we got. At the shortstop position, Glaber Torres also... Eligible at second base, but Javier Baez versus Glaber Torres versus Xander Bogarts. Javier Baez, ADP 33.2, Glaber Torres 27.6, Xander Bogarts 33.4. I am starting the clock right now. Chris, Glaber Torres versus Xander Bogarts versus Javier Baez. How do you break it down?
3: Man, it's tough. I don't really find myself drafting any of these players with any regularity. You did say Xander Bogarts has the lowest uh, ADP of the group,
2: right? He does. It's and, just barely behind Javier Baez. They're very and close. he
3: was the best player of the group last season. By far. Top 12 there. So hitter. it kind of seems like it should be Xander Bogarts. Now, the weird thing with Xander Bogarts is we don't really know what kind of hitter Xander Bogarts is. He's such a weird hitter. I feel like we've been doing this for five years where every single year we're like, well, what he did last year won't be sustainable and it proves out to be true. But then the next year he just does something different and ends up being a fantasy stud anyway. He's a, he's a really strange player. Uh, I don't necessarily buy what he did last season, but uh, I think he does have an edge on these two guys, especially uh, if you can get him after they're both off the board. Now, the the thing he he doesn't do is steal bases uh, as much anymore, so so that hurts him. But
2: I still think um, I th- still think you go with Bogarts. Xander Bogarts was the third best shortstop in Roto last season. He was tied for the second best shortstop in head to head points. In his fantasy points per game, averaged three point eight. That was tied with Fernando Tatis, Trey Turner, and Marcus Semien, uh, Xander Bogart's 52 doubles last year. That was the third most in baseball, still just 27 years old, and looks like he is continuing to get better. He's the one that I prefer most in a points league, but the one that I actually like the most in Roto is Javier Baez. Scott, you have Javier Baez Hmm. at 13 in your shortstop rankings, in your Roto rankings. Yes, I do. I have him sixth. So
0: yeah, you know what I've got to get to the fight? bottom of this. Yeah, basic. You're just like everybody else, <laughs> overrating Javier Baez in in roto because oh, he might steal me double digit bags. Okay, all right. You go ahead and count on that. He was like 11 for 18 last year, so I don't know that we can be confident he's going to steal a base ever again but (laughs) okay of these three you just endured him of these three he's never gonna steal a basic scott is feisty today that was that was hyperbole i know the internet doesn't understand hyperbole anymore but for young lads and lasses out there i'm sure he will steal a base again but my point is not gonna be a great source of them um he's the best bet of these three for stolen bases i will give him that but i think it will be too insignificant of a number to care about and he doesn't really have as safe of a profile as a hitter for him to be a high-end fantasy contributor it relies on an outlier home run to fly ball rate it relies on an outlier babbitt he's managed to do that with consistency but it's it's a tight rope walk and we're talking about we're talking about the safest hitters you can imagine being draft some of the safest hitters some of them are risky in other ways but Many of the safest hitters you can still imagine are being drafted in the same range as Javier Baez, and it just it just doesn't seem like enough reward to pay up for, and yet there's a lot of risk there that could make it uh, potentially a devastating pick for you. So I, I like Bogarts the most of these three. I agree with Chris that I don't know exactly what he's going to provide, and this was actually the point I was going to make about Suarez, so I'm, I'm fitting it in there anyway. 2018 and 2019 Suarez were both great, but they were great in different ways. And that's kind of what Xander Bogarts has been doing too, um, but I I know he's going to be I know he's going to be a, a must-start shortstop with ease, and uh, I would even even though I'm I'm not the sort of person who can just eliminate that Gleyber Torres has second base eligibility and that's maybe the most valuable single thing that any of these players contributes. Even taking that into account, I still rank Bogarts just a little bit ahead of him.
3: You know what, what's standing out to me looking at Javier no. and Baez is...
2: No, you're not allowed to talk, Chris, because Adam has not had to talk, yeah, and there's 30 ridiculous. seconds left, so go, Adam. <laughs> Thanks for leaving me so much time. In a points <laughs>
1: league, it's very easy. It's Bogarts 1, Glaber Torres 2. This is not not counting second-base eligibility. That's a different uh, situation, but in points leagues, it's very simple. Bogarts 1, Torres 2, and a distant third, Javier Baez, because his plate discipline is so bad. I expect Torres to make some strides there this year. Uh, But he won't be Bogarts, who's already established himself as very good in that category. In Roto, it is tougher. Uh, You know, they're all pretty damn close. I'm going to take Glaber Torres, one, Bogarts, two, Javier Baez, three. But all really close, all justifiable to go in any order. I think there's a bit of a negative cloud around the Red Sox this year without Mookie Betts there. I don't know how much it matters that Alex Cora isn't there, but... I just like I think they're going to have a down year, and the counting stats were so huge for Bogarts. So I think that those are lineup, going to go down a little bit.
3: That lineup's still going to be really good, though. Yeah, I, better I than the Cubs, so,
1: I think. Something about them is just—it's just scaring me. It's like the fans are mad at them, and
3: the fans aren't going to be there
2: anymore. That's true. Don't worry. <laughs> that's true. Um, Adam, you went over by twenty-one seconds. Yeah, so that's not my fault. That, that is not my what fault. What a jerk! Your punishment is you have to listen to Toxic on repeat. <laughs> Uh, Gleyber Torres, the last point, the Orioles point, I wanted to make this. He had 13 home runs and a 15-12 OPS against the (laughs) Orioles last year against everybody else. He hit 25 home runs with a 786 OPS. So take that for what it is. But Gleyber Torres, yes, he still faces the Orioles this year. um, And one of my favorite parts of the baseball season in 2019 was hearing Gary Thorne just... yes. Gets so angry at Gleber Torres hitting home runs over and over again. Uh, we've got to come back to Javier Baez at some point. Like, I just want to do a whole Javier Baez podcast because this is...
0: you got to defend your position at some point. Oh, man.
2: This is crazy. It's tough
0: being the host, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. <laughs> Before we get to our next ranking debate, UFC 249 is nearly here. The best way to get ready for the event is with the State of Combat podcast with Brian Campbell. Go back and listen to this entire week of great content, including Storytime with Rashad Evans Part 2, the UFC 249 Preview, and the interviews with Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone, and Stipe Miocic. That's, that's not all. Brian Campbell will, be, uh, will uh, also, immediately after UFC 249, will be back with his Instant Reaction podcast. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are found. I cannot blame the emailer for writing that read wrong. Uh, that was just me. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, any of you guys watch UFC? Are you going to be watching UFC two forty nine this weekend? I am not. I'm not. I never got into it. But I watched
1: Rocky three the other night. It was it was a lot better than I remember it to be. I thought Rocky three was kind of crappy. It wasn't. It was good.
2: The next ranking debate we have: Brandon <laughs> Woodruff cool versus sto- Sonny Gray. Cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Woodruff versus Sonny Gray versus Jose Berrios, who uh, I've kind of dubbed this group the if they're your SP2, something went wrong in the draft group. Like, I-, I want one of these guys as my SP3 or later. I don't know how realistic it is that they'll be your SP4, but I think these guys are perfect. SP. Yeah, Scott's SP7. <laughs> hey,
0: my SP1 in the draft we did yesterday is Mike Soroka, so.
2: Whoa. I did notice that. All right, Brandon okay. Woodruff versus Sonny Gray versus Jose Barrios. Woodruff, ADP of 85. Jose Barrios, 71.2. Sonny Gray, 94.8. Scott, no, you know what? I'm going to give Adam a chance to lead off this time because he needs to redeem himself and get as much time as he wants in here. Nope. Barrios versus Gray versus Woodruff. What do you got, Adam? Here's three minutes on each guy.
1: I <laughs> Barrios won with a bullet. I actually like Jose Barrios. I think he's just like one tweak away from becoming a great, great pitcher. And you know you're going to get a lot of innings from him. You're going to get strikeouts by way of the innings and a respectable ERA. And I think they have such a good bullpen and such a good offense that he could win 18 games. So Barrios won. I'm going to go with Woodruff, too. Uh, Sonny Gray is just a little bit too difficult for me to trust. I understand that Woodruff has the Lance Lynn problem where he basically has, has one pitch, but he pitches deep into games. He had a 12-start stretch with 11 of them where six innings or more. He went seven mornings and five of those 12 starts. He's got an electric fastball. So I like Woodruff two and Sonny Gray three. I know Sonny Gray man, he really finished so strong, but I I don't know. It's still a it's still a bad ballpark, and yeah, I just I'm not feeling.
2: I it's just a gut thing for me with Sonny Gray. I just don't trust him. So Barrios, Woodruff, Gray. It's probably because he spoke bad about the Yankees that Adam doesn't like him. But I have these guys in my ranks, 21, 22, and 23, with Brandon Woodruff at the top. And Chris, Jose Barrios, is he just kind of, is this just who he is at this point? Is he a high threes ERA? Because Adam keeps saying, and I hear this from a lot of people, that he's one tweak away from taking that next step. But we haven't seen that next step yet can this be the year for Jose Barrios?
3: Well, we've been doing that with Jose Barrios for the last three seasons where he he's kind of gotten credit for the flashes that he's shown. And this is the first year, I think, when expectations are a little more fair because he's struggled with inconsistency. Um, he'll go through these stretches where he racks up a ton of strikeouts and then he go he'll have these random like five inning one strikeout games and and it's really weird to see from a guy whose stuff seems to be really good and that's something that he uh addressed this off season in trying to rework his curveball uh you know he's got that curveball that kind of it's more of a slurve and i feel like if you don't have a slider or a curveball you don't have a good breaking ball he's also you know, trying
1: I've... to work his change up too like he's he just—you're right. He needs a. Better yeah, he arsenal. has
3: been—he's been working on the changeup for years. That—that's one that I don't know. He just doesn't seem to have the feel for the pitch, and the—the the biggest problem for him. He's got great command, great control. Uh, he just doesn't have that second pitch that—that that can really be a difference maker. And you know, he was working on the curveball to make it more of a, an up and down, uh, vertical pitch rather than that big sweeping, uh, slurvy type pitch. And if that makes a difference, and he explicitly said it was to get more swings and misses, if that does generate more swings and misses, he absolutely has another uh, level to go. But the the weird thing about Jose Barrios is he's kind of, he's not a soft tosser, but he has below average fastball velocity. He really is kind of a, I made the comparison earlier in the offseason, and it doesn't really jibe with how we view them, but he's kind of like Kyle Hendricks. Uh, he throws five miles per hour harder. Chris, than Kyle Hendricks but into Scott's hold time on here. well because I'm making good points uh <laughs> <laughs> you know he he doesn't get as many strikeouts as you want um he's got great control but the biggest thing that Jose Brias brings to the table is he does a really good job of limiting hard contact he's one of the best just like Kyle Hendricks and you know it gives him a safe floor the upside is if he d- can start generating swings and misses
1: you have it right so <laughs> how about ranking <laughs>
3: Uh, Who do you like the most of the group? <laughs> Gray, Barrios, and Woodruff. I'm very skeptical of Woodruff, and I imagine Scott's going to have the same ranking.
2: Scott and I actually both have Brandon Woodruff ranked the highest really? of this trio. Do I? Um, you guys mentioned <laughs> that the changeup for uh, Barrios last year. I-, I do year. not, Adam. I-, I do not, Frank. Let's see. Uh, hold slander. on a second.
0: This is slander.
2: <laughs> I'm wasting everyone's time now. <laughs> you have
0: Gray first, then Woodruff, then Barrios.
2: Oh, oh, I missed your sunny Gray there. But all right, you have Brandon yeah, Woodruff right. higher than uh than Barrios. Yes, uh, all
0: is. right, I'll
2: give you the rest of the time here. Just
0: <laughs> say whatever you want about. All the right. Gray. So Barrios, like Chris, is like without skills improvement, Barrios is not really an ace caliber pitcher. the The thing that keeps him in this ranking is that he's efficient. He goes deep into games. That's the main thing. Uh, but the strikeout rate, ERA. Uh, the whip—they're all going to be underwhelming. Maybe not so much the whip, but the other two. The most upside is Sonny Gray. I think the most downside is Woodruff, and Barrios is just Let I me mean, should I say it again? Barrios, yeah, basic. Woodruff <laughs> is basically just a really great fastball and not much of a secondary arsenal. Uh, the secondary arsenal exists mostly to set up the fastball, and we saw that uh, that wild card game start. Against the Nationals, Woodruff just basically threw fastballs. And it was effective because the fastball is so good. But what happens if he loses anything on the fastball? Anything Mm -hmm. at all? Half a mile per hour. Like, how much... How uh, Over time, he's going to lose it. And we don't know exactly how long it'll take, but it happens to every pitcher. They start to lose a little bit of their stuff. And when it happens to Woodruff, will there be anything to fall back on? It probably isn't an issue for this upcoming season. But the thing is, we don't really know. Because... It's hard to time out those things. How how would you
1: describe his arsenal?
0: Woodruff's? Yeah. Woodruff's arsenal?
3: Yeah, base. It's a lot like Lance Lynn,
2: who we spoke about. It's a lot like Lance Lynn. Uh, Um, To put in perspective how good the fastball is for Brandon Woodruff, um, it had the third best P-Val, pitch value, on Fangraphs last season, and his 257 Woba against the fastball was the same as Garrett Cole's. So... I'm, I'm, not just sure you know.
0: com- I'm not sure I'd compare it to Lance, Lins.
2: It's,
3: Lance Lynn's. Lance Lynn's got more of an ability to like change the the shape and, and speed of his yeah. fastball. He, yeah, he throws like, cutters, he throws two seamers. Um, and
0: he doesn't really have any off-speed pitches. Woodruff does, they're just not very good.
2: Uh, I'll take Woodruff in Roto among the rest, and, and Jose Barrios I'll take in points because uh, he just goes deep into games. He gives you a ton of quality starts. Uh, but there you go. Those were our little rankings debates. We we don't really have enough time to get into Scott Kingery and uh twenty seconds Byron. per analyst. Scott Kingery okay. versus Byron Buxton. Um Go, Adam, 20 seconds. I'm going to take Scott Kingery here.
1: I just kind of feel like there's a better chance that he's actually still going to become a good hitter, and he was pretty good last year. 258, 315, 474 in just his second season. Not bad, and he stole 15 bases. Yes, Buxton will steal more bases, but Kingery can be a more well-rounded player. Done.
0: I've got to take Kingery because he seems safer and because he's eligible in a few different places, but I actually like, what buxton was doing last year before the inevitable injury came up he struck out a lot less he hit more line drives and he improved his his batter ball profile in a way that i think might finally allow him to take off if he can ever stay on the field i just have really no hope of him doing that based on the way his career has gone to this point
3: kingery doesn't have near the upside that byron buxton does byron buxton is still One of the most physically gifted players in baseball. He's incredibly fast. He can hit the ball hard when he makes contact with it. And like Scott said uh, last season, he did start making contact more. Kingery, you're hoping he can just be kind of a B-plus power and speed guy in either category. Uh, And he still needs to take a step forward as a contact hitter to not hurt you in batting average. So I think it's Buxton
2: uh, by a long shot. I like both of these guys in Roto quite a bit. I have Kingery as my outfielder, 37. I have Buxton at 38. To put that in perspective, Scott has Kingery at 43, and he has Byron Buxton down at 53. So I like them uh, a decent amount. And shout out to uh, Matt Modica at Ctm Baseball on Twitter. Tweeted this back in like February, but I have it written down for some reason. Uh, Before before the All-Star break last year, Starling Marte, 12 home runs, 13 steals, 279 batting average. Byron Buxton, nine home runs, 12 steals, 253 batting average, uh, which with a much higher slug and a much higher ISO. So for what it's worth, it looked like Byron Buxton was finally putting it together. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy, which is a question we have for a lot of people. But I agree with uh, Chris that I think Byron Buxton does have a ton of upside, especially in that lineup. All right, we're going to wrap up the week with a few more emails. We'll do that right after this quick break. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Alright, we're back here. This question's from Joe in Indiana. In my 2019 season, just before the trade deadline, I traded Marcelo Zuna in order to receive. Anthony Rendon. Needless to say, my league commissioner was not happy and the team who accepted it uh, with the team that accepted it and wanted to know his reasoning. It helped me eventually win the title. We have a all trades are final policy, therefore making the losing team pay for their mistake. How mad would you be with this person in your leagues? uh, Do you expect reasoning from the person who made the mistake of accepting a trade that seems egregious?
3: I mean let people make their own mistakes. I like you can be annoyed at them, but I you don't need to explain yourself Unle- unless if people want to accuse you of collusion, but anything short of that, you don't need to explain yourself.
2: I mean Ozuna for Rendon, it's pretty bad.
3: Yeah. No, it's a terrible trade. I'm not I'm not <laughs> defending the trade. I just don't I don't think uh adults making decision of their own volition need to explain them to other people. Uh, now, did if this guy cut a check to the other guy, then we, we got to start having some investigations. But, you know, I mean... The
2: only way you can find that out is if you question him, I guess, right, Chris?
1: I mean, uh, look. Uh, No, just, like, che- make... Okay, all he has to do is turn over his checkbook or give access to his bank account, and then he doesn't have to explain the trade at all.
3: <laughs> look, I, like... I've got a Slack channel for one of my fantasy leagues. We give each other crap all the time. Uh, I just made fun of someone yesterday for making a crappy trade, but I didn't, I'm the commissioner of that league. I didn't force him to explain himself uh, and, you know, throw himself before the mercy of the league. I think it's okay to do that though.
1: I think it's even privately
3: be like, yo, dude,
1: this trade's crazy. Like people are going to be up in arms. What were you thinking? I think that's okay. I think that's fair game. <laughs> and, and question, he, doesn't, it, he doesn't even have to give you a satisfactory explanation, but make the guy like at least know there's some basis for it. And it's not like,
3: oh, well, I just didn't care anymore, so I well, figured sure, why not that'd let be this guy a bad, Well, But that would be, like, <laughs> just kick that guy out of the league. Well, well, yeah, yeah the, but you never the, know
0: until you ask, right? The only things that would raise an eyebrow for me is if this is a guy who is just, like, normally a dead owner, and he's... He's just like the bane of this league's existence. Basically, he's either consistently making horrible trades or he's consistently not setting his lineup. And then this bad trade comes out of the blue. Uh, but if he's as active as anybody else and as motivated as anybody else, like just, you know, he made a bad trade. And you just have to live with that if you want to league with trading.
1: Oh, great. Great. Bad trade. Uh, I was trying to do my bane.
3: <laughs> <The pain.
2: laughs> this, this next one's from robert williams dear brent bill mickey phil bob and jerry <laughs> Those, they feel very
3: golfy to me uh <laughs> no, no when i, I search them so. i'm seeing a lot, a lot of, of grateful
2: me. dead pop up uh, oh
3: yeah yeah bob weir uh jerry garcia yeah yeah, yeah yeah i think that's it
2: in the absence of baseball and employment. I am playing a season of MLB The Show 20. I recently got to the All-Star game and noticed Tim LaCastro is leading the MLB in steals with 28. It got me curious. I haven't heard his name as much. Uh Scott, Tim LaCastro, does that uh does that get the, the the wheels turning for you? 17 steals in 91 games last year with the Arizona Diamondbacks?
0: Perfect 17 for 17. Yeah, he can he can steal bases and uh let's see in the minors last year he had 9 He's had a couple 30-steal seasons, a 40-steal season in the minors. Not a guy with much power to speak of. So, like steals are what he brings to the table. He gets on base a fair amount. If the plan... If if something goes wrong in in, in the outfield for them, and especially in center field, um, I could see... I could see LeCastro playing a big role. But... He's not in a position to right now, which is why we don't talk about him in fantasy.
2: You know, what he would if, have what fit the he's... mold of the backup player that was interesting that I yes. did last week. Tim LeCastro, you know, if something were to happen to Marte or Cole Calhoun and they throw LeCastro out there, in a roto league, he could get you some steals at him. But not just that. Like, what if he's one of those
1: backup players who is going to definitely be interesting because the roster spots that are needed, that are required, and the amount of players that these teams are going to have to play. Maybe LeCastro becomes one of those guys.
0: Maybe just because there are more roster spots being filled, though, doesn't mean they're going to get a lot of playing time. Like, and we shouldn't be rooting for that, by the way. Because if if more bench players are getting more playing time, that means more star players are getting less playing time, and yeah. that's not a great outcome. I, in fantasy it depends
1: how many double headers you have. I mean, I don't yeah. know what it's going to look like. If there are two double headers a week, then Tim McCarver is going to be in there, some you know, maybe enough to matter. Maybe. Phil
3: Lesh is another guy from the Grateful Dead. I just remembered.
2: There's your Grateful Dead update from Chris Towers. This next one's from Rob. Hey, Frank. First off, welcome to the podcast. You're fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. I play in a 16-team, 30-man roster Dynasty Auction League. Would you give up James Paxson to get Michael Kopech, or would you give up James Paxson to get Casey Mize? Chris, what do you think about this?
3: uh it it's gonna depend on the salary if it's just straight up I definitely wouldn't do it for Mize I I think Scott probably might not just might not agree on that uh I just have real concerns about Casey Mize with the uh the health of his shoulder and I think he's had elbow issues as well um and his velocity was down his numbers were bad after coming back from the injury last year so I might do it for Kopech if I'm looking towards the future. But if I'm trying to win in 2020, uh, I'm probably hanging on to James Paxton.
0: Yeah, the biggest thing for me is are you keeping, and, and Chris kind of referenced it, but just to drive the point home, if, if are you keeping these players on equal terms or are the prospects much cheaper to keep than Paxton? Because if it's equal terms, you know, unless you know you're not going anywhere this year, just stick with Paxton. If you're definitely set on trading Paxton, though, Mize would be my preference.
2: Yeah, I think it comes down to how competitive you're expected to be. If you think that you can compete, you know, this year and the next year, maybe you want to keep James Paxton on your team. I agree with the points that Chris made on Casey Mize. I'm worried about that shoulder as well. From a dynasty perspective, I'm in a startup dynasty uh, slow draft right now, and Casey Mize went in the tenth round, and I actually took Nate Pearson over Casey Mize, so I do worry about him a little bit more in this format. So if you're going to, if you're looking for the future. I would trade Paxson for Kopech. Um, If you're competing now, I would keep James Paxson. That's how I would go with this. Uh, last question. Not really a question, just an email. Last email here from Patrick Kijek. Hey, Richard. Geralt, Vesemir, Lambert, and Dandelion. That is The Witcher. I, d- I looked it up. Have you seen it, that, that is it, The Chris?
3: Witcher. Did any of you guys watch The Witcher? I have not seen it, but I know the name Geralt is from the video game.
1: I never watched it. It looked like... It looked like a cheesy Game of Thrones.
2: <laughs> That's fair. I mean, if I just saw a trailer and nothing else, I would probably think the same. But you should give it a shot, Adam. It's actually pretty good. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, so this is what Patrick has to say. Scott said it right when it comes to Wyvern, the SK Wyverns in, uh, in the KBO. So shout out to Scott. You got it right there. And Adam, May 4th is not as old as Cinco de Mayo. It is one day older. <laughs> yes it is <laughs> very good and i would say
1: you basically nailed that one
2: <laughs> <laughs> you basically nailed that one that's going to do it for this week great week of fantasy baseball today uh for adam chris and scott i am frank uh nickname still pending i don't know if we're going with frankie no vowels, if we're going with the Tramp Stamp, uh, The Machado Man was an interesting one that I kind of liked, too, which I haven't mentioned uh, <laughs> the till Machado right Machado
0: Man. Now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you may not like him next year. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, have a happy Mother's Day for uh, any mothers out there listening, but make sure to take care of the great women out there, the wives, the mothers. Uh, so enjoy that over the weekend. Thanks for listening. Talk to you all on Monday. Bye-bye. <laughs>